they didn't have these didn't have proper trained cooks and, and um, anyone but w- would start off being the cook in the place one time one time the gardener he, he became the cook and I think he was the best cook <laughs> that they had because <laughs> the, the others weren't any job <laughs> it didn't say anything about his level of cooking it just said how bad everybody else was right and that's right yeah, yeah. that's right <laughs> it's, it's it's that's like a, a bonus yeah. you know <laughs> the plus and minus and interesting what was interesting about this <laughs> the interesting thing was how you can you can cook fish and leave, leave the scales on <laughs> Kia ora and welcome to Paper Fox Radio. My name is Az Roberts. In each episode, I meet with eclectic people from all walks of life who are following the thing that's calling them. We unpack their journey, follow their ups and downs and sideways, where they're going and how they got there and what's next. In early to mid-2020, I've actually lost track of when it was, but some good friends and us uh, went out for Japanese one night, Richard and Louise, and I think I was talking about the podcast and how it's all going and things and you know stuff about production and what have you rich and lou were then talking separately about uh louise's father who was in his 90s and how he was really really interesting and how he was really curious and so vibrant and things like that and he just he always surprised them with the types of stories that he'd come out with stuff that they'd never ever heard before and he sounded like a really fascinating character and I was then thinking about, man, someone like that would be great to have on the podcast and talk to and hear from all their experience. About a month or so ago, I was out walking with Richard and the subject of interviewing John came up again and he sort of said, you know, I think he'd be really good for the show. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I think he would be too. But there was this internal sort of reservation about what it was, you know, why what was challenging about the thought of interviewing someone like John. And I thought about this, kind of come to the conclusion that it was about how do you interview someone who's 90 plus years old, who's had a lifetime of experience that I don't particularly know. And it's really hard to pinpoint one thing to talk about because as I've learned with interviewing other people, they, you know, some of them have, they might have a book and it's really easy to talk about them and the book and that particular experience. Or they might have an addiction and it's easy to talk about and focus on you know, that addiction. Or they might be a runner who does crazy distances or any number of other things. It becomes very easy to talk about one specific topic. But when it comes to talking to someone who's 90 plus years old and they've lived a lifetime and there's so many things you could talk about, Narrowing that down to just one thing or a couple of things becomes really difficult. So that was my reservation for a, from a, for a start. After thinking about it, I accepted that there were, there were kind of two ways we could attack this. And one way would be to look at it from, you know, a really narrow, a narrow point of view of going, okay, we could talk about one topic and go really deep on it. But then you'd get the sense that there was so much left on the table of not being discussed of a person's lifetime. The other way to do this would be to talk about it really broadly, but thinly, so shallow. 
so you'd get a good coverage of a person's lifetime but then you wouldn't get any depth about it so that also didn't feel entirely right for me but it seemed like it was probably the best way to go then I thought about what's the common thread that we could talk about with John or the one thing that that really has connected his life and that is learning and curiosity and being a lifelong learner and of course the experience of being 90 years so that's the way we're going to go today we're going to talk broadly to John about different areas of his life and I think talk about them in terms of themes so you know we might talk about family we might talk about uh, childhood we might talk about being a dad we could talk about teaching and so forth and just see where that goes. Edward John Swan was born in 1927 in Juni, which is a small town 450 k's away from Sydney. He's now a retired school teacher and principal, and he's a descendant of one of the first convicts sent to Australia by boat for a petty crime. He has an insatiable curiosity for knowledge and learning. When I think about 90 years and 90 plus years, to put into perspective of everything that's happened in the world in that time. He was born into the Great Depression. He lived through World War II, the Vietnam, Korea, Iraq, the War on Terror. He's lived through 17 American presidents, all commercial flight, including, including the rise and fall of the Concorde. He's lived through blues, soul, rock and roll, punk, funk, rap, grunge, electronic music and now the Island Boys. Buddy Holly, Prince Elvis, David Bowie, Aretha Franklin, Kurt Cobain. He's lived through the invention of television, the internet, tapes, records, computers, phones, post-it notes, Google, phones, fax machines, microwave ovens, VCR, DVD, iPods, artificial intelligence, and now Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. Hovercrafts, hydrofoiling boats and monorails, women getting the vote, self-driving cars, Medical advancements like MRI machine, transplants, genome sequencing, lasers, mini robots, and I think we beat polio as well. The entire space program, the space race between the USA and Russia, the discovery of the planet Pluto, the first person in space, men on the moon, the Challenger disaster, thousands of satellites launched into space, the demotion of the planet Pluto, and now SpaceX and Blue Origin, the population boom, global warming, and covid just off the top of my head. Welcome, John. <laughs> Aaron, thanks. <laughs> when, when you <laughs> list all those things that have happened in this world <laughs> since 1928, it's daunting. And um, I thought, have I been through that? Yes, I have. Yeah. But um, most of it, my head, or, or I wasn't interested in what was going on all the time, uh, mostly, well, yes, always, I was interested in me. Yeah, that, that's what it's all about. Um, I, I, I can't say um, uh, I'm um, a philosopher or anything like that, but anyhow, we'll talk about um, my education uh, throughout that those 93 years, how it's affected me and... and things that interested me and how I've um, 
developed as a person, as a teacher, and it has been an interesting journey uh, in many, many ways. And the changes and uh, the, the um, excitement uh, of what comes next, particularly in education, uh, as I experienced it. I grew up uh, uh, the first decade in a country town. It was 300 miles away from Sydney and as they say, the further you get away from the capital city, education kind of fades uh, with its ideals and its practices. It's different from um, what a city would be. And also the experiences of those people in Junee. That's the country town I came from. Anyhow, let, let's talk about that. <laughs> So um, the thing that I think spurred the theme of this particular podcast, mm. I guess the insight you'd call it, was I was talking to Lou, your daughter, on the phone, and she said, from your wife. Now, I'm paraphrasing this terribly, but I don't know if this rings true And because, you know, the whole thing about your curiosity keeps coming up, your curiosity mm. and your thirst for learning and interest in people and the world in general. And your wife apparently said that your father has an extremely high tolerance for boredom. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the moot points of our marriage. Yes. <laughs> she had no tolerance for boredom whatsoever. And, um, <laughs> and I seemed to be the one that uh, absorbed it and, and uh, grew into it very well. But, um, yeah, yeah, uh, I... Um, Boring is um, it's important yeah. <laughs> in my in my character. Yes, I would put up with almost anything in life, as as that has been proved. <laughs> I, yeah, when I heard that, that was just gold. I had to bring that up. Right. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah. All right. So let's um, well done fact. <laughs> um, so let's uh, let's start off with a warm up question before we get into the the meat of the sandwich. What's one thing your dad or grandparents your you know, parents or grandparents told you, but you ignored, that came back to bite you? The biggest influence on me was my mother. My parents separated when I was two years old. Uh, my mother took me and made a, a new life uh, for the two of us. She said she'd had a, enough of that marriage that she was in and she wasn't going to put up with any more of it. So she was the person who influenced me uh, mostly uh, as a child, not, not anyone else particularly. I do remember very, very clearly that when I had finished school and I was about to be, uh, become a teacher in a school where I was to be sent, she gave me a whole list of... of things in life to do and what not to do. I, I remember her saying to me, um, when you start work, you have to be honest. No fibs ever about anything. When you start work, work all the time that you're supposed to be doing. No slacking in between. 
And she said, as a family, we don't steal, we're honest. And that's what she expected of me. I've tried to do that. In a boring way, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, I, I, I think that, you know, is um, a, a, an honest uh, piece of information given by a mother to her son. And, uh, yeah, I, I think of um, one of Shakespeare's plays, Hamlet, whereas um, the old father who uh, was the chief officer in um, the government of Norway uh, spoke to his son who was going over to France for education and asked, and uh, and he gave a whole list of the do's and don'ts of life that would get him through. And I thought, yep, I've been through that yeah, in a different way, of course. Not Shakespeare, but uh, with my mother. In a boring way, I've tried to keep it up. And did you ignore any of her advice? Not knowingly, not outright. Um, things may have occurred that uh, I regret, regret quite deeply actually, that um, things I should have done, uh, I didn't do. Uh, but mostly I, I've tried to keep to the um, the tenor of, and, um, of the, her advice. Any guilt I feel afterwards, well, that's pretty natural. Onto the theme of growth, curiosity and learning. As a young boy, what did you dream of? I I dreamt of um, just getting by because, um, as we've spoken before, I was born in 28, 1928. The big financial crash happened in Wall Street uh, one year later, 1929, and that was the beginning of the World Depression. Life was um, not affluent. Life was where you had to be very careful of money because mostly it just wasn't there. But what I wanted in life was um, to get on with the friends that I made. And coming from a country town, we had at the back of our house a lane. And that lane was the most important thing in our lives as kids because there were quite a few kids in the houses along the lane and we'd all come and meet out in the lane and that was our world, uh, which we did have to share uh, from time to time with people who, the delivery, the, the service guys, you know, the milkman would call, call every morning and the um, baker would call every morning. Well, we had to share uh, our laneway with them. The um, fruit and veg guy, Green Grocer, drove a horse and cart. Um, we had to share it with him too, but mostly that was our world and that's we wanted to get on with each other, and we did. Um, even in a town that was somewhat uh, at variance w with uh, the other half of it, because in those days 
difficult to believe now, I suppose. Religion played a huge part and um, there were the, um, the Protestants on one side and the Catholics on the other because Junie at that time uh, was like that and uh, it had a very strong Catholic part of it. And all my friends were Catholics, <laughs> even though I wasn't. What I wanted, yes, I wanted to get on with them. I, uh, I was very, very um, friendly w- w- with um, a particular family of Catholics and, and they were the kindest people that I had ever met and I still think of them as, as such and think of their kindness and especially the mother... She was a wonderful person and she was very kind to me particularly. Yes, what I wanted, I wanted to get on with friends, especially those friends. And when they left, it was uh, a wrench in my life that I will, I'm still remembering it, even after 93 years. But that was the beginning of my life, the early days. And yeah, what I wanted, I wanted to be friends, I wanted to be a part of them I suppose and I was accepted that as that too because as I said my um, my own parents uh, I was the only child and, and uh, they had separated when I was two so um, there was my mother there was me and uh, I suppose I, I was looking for the complete family and um, and these friends of mine were that they were a large family and um, a great mother and a very kind father. And uh, that really completed my emotional needs at that time. Even though um, one of the daughters in that family um, ruled us, uh, yeah, because um, she would quote uh, what the, the nuns had told her. And I will remember that ever when the, the my friends the boys w- would uh, not be doing what she wanted she would say sister so-and-so knows what you're thinking i thought oh god no she doesn't and i said no she doesn't and uh, she said yes she does and she knows what you're thinking right now and I thought, oh she was um yeah she ruled us well and truly <laughs> i mean she was <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, she was that kind of person. I just wonder uh, what, what she's like now. And um, I, I bet she still rules everyone around her. She would have very definite ideas. I bet she does too. <laughs> I bet she does. <laughs> yeah. This curiosity and thirst for knowledge mm. that you had, where do you think that came from? Well, I've been fortunate in my life really that things come along and um, I've not had to put too much effort into happenings, you know. Yes, wherever I've been, something has come up that that has been of huge interest to me and uh, taken up um, the whole of my my curiosity, I suppose, and... um, I know in the early days, my my mother yeah, my my mother ran a boarding house, and, and after the separation and divorce in the family, 
and this is how she made a living for both of us. And I remember there, there was one particular young bloke who uh, was there and he had been to art school. He used to teach me how to draw and it was a big, big thing in my life which caused me to, when I was growing up, to, to draw, yeah, draw people, draw or copy photos out of the newspaper and in their drawing and... Um, that that was that was one thing with art, and I, I suppose it was the, the start of what, uh, my interest in art. Uh, I know uh, another time when I was a uh, teacher and I was up in Broken Hill, um, the people there introduced me to pottery. Well, that became the most absorbing thing in the whole of my life. What was it about pottery? <laughs> what was it about? It? Well, uh, it was so different. Uh, you know, there, there was a pottery a wheel uh, and there was this lump of clay and I had to get it up and somehow make a pot out of it and I couldn't do it. Uh, I was the dumbest Potter that, that you could ever come across <laughs> in life, and it, it started this way. All right, <clears throat> I, I went to Broken Hill as a principal of the school. It was a, a large school. It was the largest primary school in Broken Hill, actually, and in the south. And um, I, I met some of the other school principals, and um, one of them, uh, the wife of, of one. Um, principal used to pot. Uh, I said, <laughs> I've always uh, been amazed that, that people can, can make pots out of clay. And uh, she said, um, "Well, you can learn how now that you're in Broken Hill." So anyhow, she left the room at, the, at that stage. Came back with this huge piece of clay, you know, in, in plastic or. Right, in plastic, and um, she said, "This is beginning, John." And um, I'm, she was going to enrol me in um, in the town where pottery was being taught as workers' um, education system. She said, "You go down there," and she said, "You make sure you use that 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 clay. They are no cost. That that's your first introduction to pottery." Well, I did. <laughs> and uh, as I said, I was the dumbest bloke. I, I just couldn't. I just couldn't do anything. This lump of clay on the pottery wheel, and I, I, I made one mess after another. But anyhow, something happened. Something happened. <laughs> and I remember the, the first few times I was able to make a very small pot, and then progress from there on and, and uh, in the end I, I found it was the most interesting thing I've ever done uh, is um, apart from work yeah was pottery and um, that, that was Broken Hill and spare time was making pots and, and, and uh, yeah and selling them too yeah as Broken Hill people did it's quite a it's, it's quite a creative town Broken Hill isn't it it was. It, it was amazing, and um, it it was um, 
It was a town that Australia owes a, a lot to. It had amazing wealth in the silver lead zinc deposit there, which was a whole hill of, of mostly silver. And it led to a lot of riches for the, for the nation itself. It was amazing um, with the art that, that went on there. The school I was at was called Alma. The foyer of that uh, school uh, was lined with, with art paintings uh, from local artists. Pro Hart was one of the... the First of them, who donated art to the school, and or in other cases uh, sold it at practically cost price, and um, they were very generous. The artists were very generous to to the local schools in Broken Hill. Yeah, the 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 arts did take on there, and um, uh, there there was uh, a drama school. Um, it was an amazing place, an amazing place in the fact that it was um, born out of such hardship, progressed from there. When I went out to ha- have with friends to have a look at the all the, the graves in the cemetery, I mean, that's a funny thing here. Let's go to the cemetery. Well, well this is something wonderful. But um, the thing there was... Were all the the graves of children? There was so many; it was unbelievable. As I was told, the the so many children died there because of the polluted water, and there was practically no uh, well. There's no groundwater in Broken Hill. Water had to be brought there, and then you, you would have uh, water diseases, and, and uh, that, that's what the place was like. And I think of that and the hard climate there, dust storms and um, my introduction to Broken Hill, um, when I I went there, I I stayed at a motel and um, I was talking to the woman who ran the the place and she said she had two little girls who who were at Alma School, my school, and... um, and anyhow, the day I arrived, it was 42 degrees. God, it was hot. So I went to my room after a while and had a shower and lay in the bed. And um, there was, uh, the phone went in the room and uh, it was the manager, the same manager uh, of the place. And she said, Mr Swan, have a look out your window. And, and she said, welcome to Broken Hill. And I... I looked out the window and the sky was red and black and it was a dust storm. It was something I had never, ever experienced. And um, next morning um, I went out to get in my car and have a, a look at my new school and there was um, five, ten centimetres of dust on top of the car and I had to get the hose and hose all this mud off. It was unbelievable. And this was what uh, a Broken Hill dust storm was like. Things had been done uh, to mitigate the, this um, dust problem. 
It didn't work when there was a 42 degrees day coming up and a wind behind it. That's Broken Hill. Um, Broken Hill survived. Broken Hill uh, prospered. And uh, it gave to Australia a great deal of wealth uh, out of the silver lead zinc itself. It, it, it there was a lot. Uh, we said a lot of art uh, in the place. It, it was amazing, really. And that's where I I, um, I picked up pottery. With um, I've been pushed. Yeah, it's um, it, it's wonderful what what things. Just come along and do happen when you let it happen. You mentioned teaching. Yes. And Broken Hill. And on the subject of teaching, in a career, sorry, in a career of teaching others, Mm. what were your biggest learnings? One thing stands out for me more than than anything else. It was the influence of one man, Edward de Bono, I think of him as a messiah of education, really, of strategies of thinking. Is that the six thinking hats, Edward de Bono? <laughs> That's the man, yeah. amongst everything else. Edward de Bono um, was a part of, of the think tank that Churchill uh, had instigated during World War Two, And uh, he was... Such intelligent person, and um, yeah, Churchill um, gathered together all the the brightest that that he could muster at the time to form a, a think tank and um, think of strategies that could be employed to um, overcome the, um, the the problem of German invasion, German bombing. And uh, Edward de Bono was one such person. After the war, then he uh, branched out and made a, um, a, a box of, of strategies. And there were, there were four different strategies I know in that, in that box and uh, things you can do to, to get children to think, uh, a strategy how to do it. I, I know as, as a young teacher, I, I was speaking to one principal and um, and he was bragging about his school and how he would teach children to think. And so I said, how do you do that? That, that sounds wonderful. Uh, how do you get children to think? And, and um, he said, oh, well, I tell them to think again and, 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 and think what you're saying and and I thought, oh, that 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 is not a strategy of how to get children to think. I, I knew it then that that was just talk. But uh, when I came uh, across Edward de Bono's strategies, as I said, he, he was like a, a um, yeah a, a god of thought, <laughs> yeah, of how what what you can do. To, to get children to look at all problems in the way it was. Uh, and I remember one of the, the, um, the strategies had, uh, he had was um, a strategy called PMI and, and that was you look at a, a problem and you look at all the, the plus uh, aspects of, of that problem 
things that were good and that would come out of it. Then you'd look at all the um, the, the debits, the, th- the things that, that weren't good. And uh, then you, you'd look in the middle and, and what were the interesting things that were not pluses or minuses but just interesting things. And uh, then he put up in his um, schedule there uh, the, the question, what would, it, what would it be like if all cars were painted yellow? Well, when you think of it, <laughs> it was amazing. Kids, uh, yeah, I put the, the, this question up to, to a class I had and, and we, we, we divided it into three groups. So one group had to think of all, all the good things that would happen if all cars were painted yellow. The other group had to think of all the uh, bad things that w- w- would come from such a thing. And uh, the third group would be not good things or bad things, but just interesting things that would happen. You know, when you when you think of it, uh, the good things were that you didn't have to worry about finding your car because they're, they're all yellow. And um, and the other group was saying, no, that that's the wrong thing because um, you, you'd lose your car because all cars were yellow. And uh, the interesting group w- would say, um, oh, that that's good because um, people who made cars wouldn't have to worry about all different colours because they'd <laughs> they'd all be yellow. That's Edward de Bono. That That's uh, the type of questioning and, and the, the type of way he had children to think. And, and as far as I'm concerned, the big thing was he would... I used that, that type of uh, thinking uh, with just problems we had in, in day-to-day in the class itself. And that was a way of teaching to children to really think Think laterally yeah. too, by the sounds of it. Oh, indeed. Yeah. Think laterally. Yes, it was. That that was a new thing, as far as I was concerned. He, he was an amazing person, but the bone out. I met him when he came out to Australia. As a matter of fact, was uh, in Sydney and um, a representative of uh, a number of schools uh, met him as a small group. Uh, he he came to Australia to promote uh, his work, of course. In lateral thinking, I, I had uh, c- come across his work. The, the school I was at w- was um, a, a school that, that uh, received uh, Commonwealth funding, even though it was a public school. A number of schools um, were receiving extra funding if if they had problems and um, social problems or, or problems. Like the school I was at was heavily migrant, and mostly all the kids were migrants and from all over the world. And in that school, I know we had eighty-four different languages. Yes, that that type of thing. So we we met Edward de Bono, and he was an amazing person. Something that influenced me greatly in how to approach teaching. He, he's written a number of books. Yes, indeed. What books, what one book, sorry, what's one book, it could be Edward de Bono, what's one book that everyone should read and why? Golly, that's going back too far for me. <laughs> <laughs> Best guesses. <laughs> yes, indeed. 
uh, I, I, I couldn't answer that one. I, I, it was um, his uh, schedule of um, lateral thinking with, um, with children. He was an amazing person and um, an intelligent person who, who could um, think up how to solve problems, problem solving in, in a truthful and honest way. Moving on to family. I am. And parenthood. Right. How did parenthood change you? <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I can't say I came out of that with 100% in that way. I, I just, like a, a lot of other people, I just wish I could have the time over again. I wouldn't make the same mistakes. I, I'm sure I wouldn't make the same mistakes as I, I made the first time. Um, I, I get them. Uh, my wife and I um, um, talked rather deeply about how we were going to bring up the, the first one, uh, and that was uh, my son, uh, a boy, yeah. And um, we just wanted everything for him. <laughs> you know, it, um, what's the world? Yes, he can have the world. What's the best job? Yeah, he can have it. Yeah, he can be prime minister. He can be anything. Yeah, uh, we, we'd, we'd try our very best for it. And um, one of the things that... Um, my wife uh, brought up, she had, had read in, in uh, philosophy that um, you, you always say to, to, to children that um, w when they've done something, could you think of something else that, that, that could have been better? And in my, um, in my naive way, I, I thought... That, 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 that's good, you know, because it, it pushes the, 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 uh, the child a bit further than uh, that was inclined to go. That was a mistake. I've, I've, I found that out and I regret it very much that, that I went down that path because I know two of mine, uh, uh, two of my kids have... Um, said to me, look, my, my son said to me once, uh, he did something and and, um, uh, and it was something I didn't like and, um, and I told him so at some great length. And um, so when I had finished this monologue, he said, Dad, I try so hard to please you and nothing ever pleases that was crook. And um, anyhow, recently um, my daughter <laughs> was um, made a, a, um, a, a short um, in introduction to a house that they were, the three kids were selling. The, the, mother's, uh, the mother's house it was, the family home. And... Um, so, yeah, she made this and she kept on repeating one word. Oh, it's gorgeous. The, you know, the garden is gorgeous. The house is gorgeous. And, and uh, we're all laughing about it. And I said to her, Louise, you know, next time you make uh, a, um, 
a film like this, you'll have to um, write, write out um, uh, about what you're going to say. And um, she said, oh, Dad, you always always used to say that. Go, go a bit further, yeah. Dad, uh, I, I would say, well, it, you could do this. Or, yeah, you could could go further. And I thought, oh, yeah, I've done it with Louise too. So... Yeah, the one that's one of the things I regret as a parent that um, I'd love to have the time over again. I wouldn't do that. But um, as parenting, well, uh, I suppose um, I'm influenced mostly by my mother, who who was a a very loving, caring person and um, who was very supportive perhaps too supportive, and uh, I know when I was growing up, other kids said I was sport, <laughs> and um, I was sport, yeah, uh, but uh, that was m- my mother, and um, wh- whatever, yeah, she would provide more than was necessary to any situation, and uh, loving, caring way, and... Um, that in itself can get in the way too. I know um, some little time back um, I was with Louise and Richard and uh, we were down in Hobart. They were looking for property there and, um, and I'm afraid I can't help myself and um, Louise came, came out and uh, she was making breakfast for herself and I butted in did this and did that and did that and... So she stopped and said, Dad, just cut it out. <laughs> yeah, then <laughs> no more help. She said, I, she said to me, yeah, I'm quite capable of making my own breakfast. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I think, yes, uh, that, that was one, one more thing that um, I, I regret that, that I didn't give the kids a, enough um, caring, uh, Time for themselves to work things out. Yes, I, I was always trying to do, um, to, to um, save them or work things out for them, make life easier, and uh, that that is not the the best thing the parents can do. But um, but other than that, there's two points mainly, and uh, I think we've all got on pretty well. I I know my my three, my son and two daughters, I'm very proud of them. I think they're wonderful people. There's a couple of things there, like with your mum, mm. you're talking about how yeah. you two, she spoiled you. Oh, absolutely. But your father wasn't around from a young age. Um, not fully. Um, so we, um, we all lived in the same country town, so... I had to visit him once a week. I mean, when I say had to visit him, that was just that. It was uh, something I was um, told to do uh, to keep in touch with him. But um, all in all, no, he didn't have any great influence and um, and <laughs> I'm a bit glad of that. So I was, I was just thinking maybe she was definitely trying to fill that void 
of a dad not being there and her having to take that role of having to look after you as well and yeah yes yeah uh, I, I realize um yeah I, i've i've looked for that uh, in life and lot i i know when um I left home and went to um, a country, uh, yeah, one teacher school, it was called. And um, I was the only teacher there, and, and I had uh, kids from um, one, one boy was um, 13 to right down to ki- uh, kindergarten. And um, yeah, there, there were about 14 kids in that one teacher school. Well, anyhow, um, to the point, um, I um, hit it off very well w- with the, um, the the chap I was born w- uh, boarding with, and um, I, I suppose um, in life, I, uh, well, in my younger days, I did re- rely on um, older men, particularly in in doing a father's role, and um, I. I um, I suppose bonded with them because um, it was something I had missed as, as a child. But anyhow, um, yeah, m- my mother did have to um, uh, to take on many roles, you know, the role of both mother and father, and uh, and she did um, a very good job of it. Uh, I believe when you. Uh, were speaking about your kids before mm. and um, I could see that there was quite a sensitive moment there. Is there anything you would like your children to know? Yeah, <laughs> I love them very much. <laughs> but anyhow, that's that's pretty ordinary. But, um, but uh, yeah, uh, we the three of us do get on pretty well together. And um, it's a good thing. Yep, I, I never have to complain about my kids. I never have, and uh, actually, and uh, even though I'd say you know do a bit better, go a bit further, it, um, it was a very minor thing, and because um, they always do. <laughs> yeah, they're a very pleasing lot. I know, Lou. Um only ever had positive stuff to say about you. <laughs> yeah, she and I, uh, um, <laughs> we're pretty close here. That um, it, yeah, the, 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 I don't mind talking about that either. It, um, yeah, when Louise was born, um, uh, her mother, um, well, I suppose after because of uh, the birth and the. Of that, she used to get very, very tired, and um, so yeah, I, I um, and and I said to her, "Oh, look, uh, it, uh, the, the the three children um, uh, were fed by bottles and uh, rather breastfeeding, and um, so I said, oh, I'll feed uh, Louise at yeah the night one, which was." Ten o'clock, and and um, yeah, Louise used to wake up, and I uh, would get her up and and wash her, and um, yeah, and give her um, her uh, her bottle and the knife feed. And I remember it was winter time because Louise was born in June, and um, 
So we sit in the family room in, in uh, a big chair there, cuddled up and, and with the heater going and, uh, um, yeah, it was – we bonded, I, I think, very well and, and uh, that has always been the case w with Louise and, and me. And um, I, 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 I suppose I should feel very uh, – somewhat guilty that um, – uh, yeah, she was always Dad's girl w when she was young, uh, little, and um, I, I think because of that, and um, it, it worked very well. It, I got a, a lot out of it, and uh, I, I think uh, Louise did too. She, um, it, it was a, a very bonding time, and uh, at night time, and um, when when she was being fed, and, and um, I had um, a, a little baby, yeah, in my arms and and warm and um, yeah, it was just great. That's beautiful. I have so our son's two and a half. And oh yeah, <laughs> I was doing. Um, he was uh, he was also bottle fed, and right. one of my absolute favourite things and was to do was to to do, to do the night feeds. And ah, now it, we know each other, don't we? Yeah, <laughs> is to get up and um, even today, like uh, obviously he's doing, he's not doing the night feeds, but any time he wakes during the night, I'm first there, and I love getting him up and making sure that he's okay, and if he needs a bottle overnight, like there's just something about it is that, that yeah, that quiet time and. Yeah, and it's the only time he actually sits still. Like <laughs> during the daytime, he's a maniac, but um, at nighttime, he's right. just this really. <laughs> right, there's something there. I, I totally felt you on that one. Yeah. So uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it, um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I, I do remember <laughs> one thing that happened though. Um, um, one one night, we're we're all, we're all in bed. Yeah, it was the middle of the night. And um, I was aware that there was someone standing in front of me. I was in bed. We're all in bed. And, and, um, and there was, but I could feel a, a presence in, in front of me. And um, when I was able to open my eyes and, and get adjusted to the dark, <laughs> there was Louise. And um, I said, what? what what's, what's going on? And she said, Daddy, I'm frightened. <laughs> she must have had a, 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 a dream, you know. And, um, and I thought, <laughs> she would have to come around to my side, wouldn't she? <laughs> Why couldn't she go to her mother? <laughs> but anyhow, but it, yeah, <laughs> that, 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 that's what um, it was like between us. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you put up with, with um, all the good moments as well as, as the one that... Um, yeah, unusual. But I know what you feel, uh, and um, it's a lovely feeling as a as a parent, and um, couldn't be better. When moving up, moving on. Yeah. Uh, when yeah. we talk about influence and impact and challenges and things, we spoke about Edward de Bono before. I oh, am. Yeah. But in your lifetime, who do you think has influenced you the most? In in living, uh, well, I think just in yeah, in in life in general. Life so. in general, yeah. 
it could be work, it could be, you know, living, it could be anything. Well, life has many facets. As far as um, my approach to 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 the world, I suppose it it was my mother um, because we were the ones who were together, and I was dependent upon her completely there for a few years until she married again when I was nine, yeah, and. Um, but she has been the, the person that I think of when I think of ethics and morals and, um, and what she uh, taught me as to what I should do and what I should do as a person. And um, my mother... Uh, I suppose I still don't know um, the, the full extent of it, but um, my grandfather w- was Irish. He was born in Dublin. He came out and and, um, and uh, married my my grandmother, and they had uh, uh, quite a number of children uh, before he died. He uh, had an operation and uh, lost a lot of blood and. The hospital at that stage uh, gave him a blood transfusion which killed him and um, and I think they were early days and probably it was the wrong blood and um, because um, I and, and Louise too have, have negative um, blood type and uh, probably he did too and he got the wrong one. But anyhow, uh, that that's uh, beside the point. Uh, being... Uh, an Irishman from Dublin, I would have said, I would say my mother was probably Catholic as a child because I remember, um, I remember I I was four before I was um, baptised actually because I remember being taken to a a church, it was um, an Anglican church and um, I was baptised there and uh, my mother was, um, she also um, joined the the church uh, as as a Protestant. So I I never asked her, but but I think probably she was Catholic to start with, so um, had had Catholic ideas and um, and she was a very... uh, well, she was a religious person. Every night she said her prayers. And, um, yeah, I would see her either sitting beside the fire that was dying and, and down and for the night and uh, she would be saying her prayers. Or, or I was taught the, the same way. Um, so that was a, a big influence in my life with... Um, ethics, uh, ethics, and, and uh, the morals. Um, um, in in life itself, I suppose I, I gathered from um, 
uh, all other people uh, all over people that I admired and um, that would be some uh, some school teachers and um, I you you may recall that, that earlier I said um, all my uh, school friends uh, um, who lived up up there in the lane were Catholics and and yeah the um, their their father was a big influencer I suppose on my life and um, the kind of man he was uh, yeah uh, that was important and. and um, I suppose that that's the kind of person that I, um, I I try to be, the way he was. So you're saying that your mum, you think your mum was raised a Catholic, uh, I and married Protestant. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that that's right. was there. I don't know a hell of a lot about religion, but I know the Catholics and the Protestants don't. Typically, get on too well. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's World War Three. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, no. but you were spending a lot of time with the Catholic kids, right? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. This is a, this is another thing. Uh, when I, I was little, and um, uh, yeah, uh, uh, well, each new new friend I had, each new playmate I had, I, I would go along to their church with them, you know, and, and um, uh, yeah. So uh, in in June I had been to every church in town, and uh, that that was uh, my religious upbringing, and um, balanced, <laughs> very balanced, yeah, and um, yes, yeah, I. I sp- uh, and uh, I spent all, all the, the young time, my young uh, years, uh, going with with the uh, with my friends, the, the Catholic uh, Church. And uh, it wasn't until I became, uh, I grew up to a, a teenager, I suppose, that that um, I, I went to a, a Protestant uh, church, and uh, yeah, but became involved in, in that. But um, yeah, with, with the, the the people, the people then, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and um, I remember it, it uh, when I was in high school. I had a very close mate, and um, his mother and father were really wonderful, wonderful people. And um, the the dad was a person who influenced me greatly. And they were very kind to me. And I remember um, one uh, one one Christmas uh, year, uh, they were going on holidays to Sydney, and uh, they invited me along with them. And um, they had a, a flat at Manly, and uh, it was just just across from the swimming pool. And um, when we were there. Um, yeah, we um, we did all, all the family thing and um, uh, saw um, the, the very first um, uh, musical uh, that I ever seen in my uh, ever ever seen in my life. It was um, uh, the the desert song. Yeah, great. Oh, I couldn't get over that. 
And, um, yeah, and we, um, yeah, he, he was a, a big influence. He was a, a great person. He was larger than life, really. And, um, yeah, and my friend uh, Billy, and uh, Billy died quite some years ago from cancer and um, that that was that was a very sad thing as far as I was concerned and um, losing, losing Billy. How long uh, did you know Billy for? Uh, all my school life and um, and in, into um, into high school and and then afterwards and. Um, yeah, I, I moved away, of course, because uh, I was teaching, and um, and Billy joined the the um, the Commonwealth Bank, and um, anyhow, we, we kept in, in in touch with each other. And I remember Billy uh, said to me um, uh, one time when we met um, that he'd been transferred down to Tasmania, and. Um, he said, "Next holidays, come down and spend <laughs> the holidays there." He said, "I, I don't know anyone." That, and uh, uh, yes, yeah, so I, I took my young brother. Yeah, I, I had a, a half brother by this stage, and um, yeah, I took him with me, and we went down to Hobart, where um, Billy was in the Commonwealth Bank, and um, yeah, spent time there and did the touristy things with Bill and. Um, and then um, my um, my stepfather died, and and, um, and then my mother, and um, Billy turned up at, at the funeral. And yeah, it was good. But then that was the last time I saw Billy, because um, I, I moved away teaching, and uh, yeah, I was told he died with cancer sometime. Sorry about that. What single thing has had the most impact on your life? So, so if we think about who has impacted you, yeah. What what single thing has had the most impact on your life? Well, I Well, I uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I suppose. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Thinking about it, it was it was um, my wife, and um, because she brought new ideas to my to um, uh, my life that, that I'd never encountered before, and um, she was from Sydney, and I was. Blake from the bush, and and, uh, and anyhow, um, I, I had had been I had been transferred back to Juneau to teach, and um, my wife um, June um, was transferred to Juneau. It, it was a central school, and it went from kindergarten up to um, uh, the end of high school. And uh, anyhow, she was the uh, language teacher, and um, she, at 
uni she had done a lot of philosophy uh, and um, I'd never come across this in my life. And it, it anyhow, um, we became friends and, and got together and um, she um, she brought her philosophy books along and, and I read those and I, it, I blew, blew my mind out and uh, the, the ideas of the... Of the when I was reading German philosophy, that that was great. Um, she also ha- broadened uh, other other aspects of my life uh, w- with education, I suppose, and, and uh, the things she she'd come across. So I suppose, in all honesty, even though we were we were divorced, but uh, she was a, a big influence in in, um, in my thinking and, um, and ideas that, that uh, yeah, I've got to owe that, <laughs> as well as a few other things I could owe. One of my earlier questions <laughs> was, what's the secret to a strong relationship in regards to marriage? <laughs> oh, you're joking. <laughs> no, I'm not joking. I skipped over it, but uh, <laughs> you don't have to answer that one. <laughs> I, I can tell you, Aaron, there, sure. is, <laughs> there is no secret. <laughs> it's just avoidance, avoidance, avoidance. <laughs> Avoid conflict or... <laughs> no, avoid the person. <laughs> Cheapest. Uh, yeah. I, 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 I was not, I, I was not a, a good candidate for marriage. <laughs> that, um, I mean, um, my parents were, were, were divorced because my my mother reckons she wasn't going to put up with that rubbish that, that um, she she was enduring this, so she just left. Um, Which is a big deal back then, right? It was it it was a wrench that uh, we don't understand today. Um, uh, my mother talked about it, and um, it was a country town. Uh, um, my father still lived there and uh, my mother lived there and uh, I lived there and um, she she said to me um, this was after I had grown up and she said it was hard um, for a divorced woman she said there were people in the town that she knew and, and had been friend with friends with at one stage and if they saw her coming down the street, they would cross the road and walk on the other side of the road so they wouldn't have to speak to her. Because in those days, women put up with whatever um, life dealt them in the, in the home. Hey, and sorry, John. What Around what year was this? This were, was would be... Um, It'd be um, the thirties, yeah, the yeah twenties, the twenties, the yeah, the twenties, yeah, nineteen twenties, nineteen thirties, 
until laws were passed that um, women had rights and um, especially divorce, divorced, uh, in divorced laws that um, there were clauses of no blame, you know, that, that type of thing. And, um, yeah, um, my mother, um, yeah, put up with that. And um, it, it was a thing that um, just didn't do. You, you didn't, if, um, when you got married, you stayed married, uh, no matter what. And, um, and this, this happened, and it was pretty dreadful. And um, you had to be a, a very strong person to break out of it. And uh, but I, I got to hand it to mum; she did. And um, she, um, it, it, life afterwards wasn't all a bed of roses, they say, uh, because um, divorce wasn't um, well, divorce was frowned upon um, by most of um, society. And um, people put up with uh, that was it. Men put up with it too, you know. It, um, yeah, I, I had seen a, a lot of that, but um, it was a, a thing that has changed for the much for the better. But the option, the other option, is staying in a relationship, which is probably killing you. And then, the, indeed, yeah. indeed, indeed. Yes. So that gives you a, like your mum. Would have known what the consequences were for divorcing. Oh, oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So it gives she, you a sense of how dire the situation was that she was in with your dad. Um, yes, yes. Um, yeah. It um, it it goes back into the family too. Um, my my father, um, my my father's mother, my my grandmother, um. Doted on her sons. She thought that uh, all her sons were wonderful. They could do anything and and um, and uh, she aided and abetted them in that. Um, so my father was, um, I suppose, an egomaniac, you could call him, because um, it, life was what pleased him. And what he wanted to do, and um, I, I know my uh, his mother, my grandmother, said to me, "Oh, his name was Jack, but yeah, Jack were, got married too young." And, um, and I thought, "Oh, go on." My mother was even younger, but um, yeah, uh, but um, yeah, allowed to do that uh, and to to get away with a lot of silly nonsense that. Um, that wouldn't be um, uh, wouldn't be put up with today by by um, by partners, yeah, and um, but that that was what life was like, and, and uh, yeah, w w women could get a job w when they were single until they got married. When they got married, they uh, they had to lose their 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 position and. Um, uh, and be a, a married woman looking after the house and the kids, and that was life. And uh, that would be all right if um, the, the husband was doing the right thing and, and um, 
sharing out money and and um, and jobs and and all the rest of it, but uh, it didn't didn't always occur, and uh, it certainly didn't occur with um, my parents, and, and uh, that's my my mother who, who um, could be very feisty. <laughs> said, "Not not for her. That that wasn't going to be her life, and, and um, it, it was stupid." So yeah, she left and um, set up um, a business for herself. As well. All she could do was looking after a house, I suppose, and um, so that's why she bought into a boarding house, and and because um, she she knew how to run that, and um, she w- had been trained and in as a cook, and um, so she could do that well, and um, it was hard work, extremely hard work, and when I think about it now, and but. Um, that was um, that's who she was, and uh, also that's what Australia was like over and over again, I believe. And um, people putting up with things that you shouldn't have to put up with. That's that's you got one life and you have to lead it. Mm. She sounds like a strong woman from everything that you say. She she was, and. Um, Everyone, everyone liked her. She was very friendly, and um, but um, she um, she was strong in herself when she made up her mind of what she was doing, and um, and she came from a family who was used to it. That, um, like um, I, I said, my my grandfather that I never knew, uh, who was born in in uh, Dublin came out to Australia and um, uh, and met uh, an, uh, a young woman who, who um, uh, yeah, they married and uh, went up to Dorigo because in that, in that time land w- was dirt cheap in Australia and um, so they uh, went to Dorigo and, and um, her, her father, my grandmother's father, um, uh, owned property, a fa- farm up there. And um, he he had a, a number of sons and, and a daughter and he b- bought each of them a, a farm uh, up, up that way. And um, so, but anyhow... Uh, my, my uh, grandfather died, and uh, my grandmother uh, then tried to uh, to run the farm, but, but it was impossible. She um, she had she hired help, but um, the help didn't want to work, <laughs> and um, so in in the end, she um, she sold the farm and went down to Sydney and. Um, uh, and bought a, a row of um, terrace houses at Erskineville and uh, got a, um, a government contract to look after migrants that just arrived and, and um, she would house them for six months when um, the government decided that after that time they they would have established themselves and could could get a job and move out and things like that. Anyhow, that was my grandmother's um, visit and she was 
an extremely strong, strong-minded person. And um, in fact, she could be a very difficult person to get on with. And um, but then she she married a, 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 a when her husband died. Yes, she married a, a a migrant bloke, Swedish bloke who built um, ships and um, yes, yeah, sailing ships. And um, he, he had them. Uh, some of his ships were, were in the Sydney Hobart uh, race. It was held every year. And he also built um, trolling ships and things like that. But um, uh, my grandmother w- was a person who was pretty forthright and had uh, a lot to say and um, had, had uh, a pretty difficult younger life. So... Her influence of standing on her own two feet and doing things, I suppose, um, permeated some of the thoughts in in her family. And with my own mother, she, yes, she saw um, what had to be done and and, um, and did it. And yeah, so she stood up for that for herself. Yep. Sounds like you've had a lot of strong women in your life. <laughs> yep. Including the, one <laughs> <laughs> including the one I married. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot yeah. to say about that. <laughs> Moving right along. Let's get on to challenges. Uh, what's been the biggest challenge in your life so far? <laughs> the biggest challenge. <laughs> and it doesn't have to be strong women. <laughs> no, uh, no, no, I'm, I'm going to be kind. I'm not going I'm not, not to bring that up. The, 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 uh, I mean the challenge. <laughs> well, um, I, I, I suppose when I, I think about it, it's my job. It was the job I had as being a school teacher. Um, I, I, I must say I was dissatisfied. With um, the, the training I had uh, in teachers' college, um, it didn't. Uh, well, I'll start again. Um, I I, um, I I didn't apply for a, a job uh, straight after the the leaving, which is the last last uh, exam in high school in my days. Now, I suppose I'd reached uh, what I call a hiatus in, in my life. I just couldn't make up my mind what I wanted to do. Uh, did I want to do this? Did I want to do that? And, and I, I, couldn't s- I couldn't settle o- on a decision. Um, I, I had had a lot to do with with the church uh, in in my teenage years and um, and I, I thought for a while that I wanted to enter the church and um, and the, um, the the minister minister yeah at that time encouraged me to do so and um, I, I met the the bishop and 
he uh, he said he would he would pay either for the university fees uh, to go or he he would pay for the religious training which is a couple of years after that so yeah i um, I, I was all set at one stage to to um, to enter the church and um and yeah, uh, and and then uh, oh, I had another idea. I, I wanted to go to art school because yeah, I, I told you as a little child that I had met this um, boarder in in my my mother's uh, boarding house who taught me to draw, and I used to draw. Uh, through the years, and yeah, I thought, yeah, I'd like to go to art school. Oh, that was the biggest thing in my life. I wanted to go. I wanted to go to art school, and um, there was that, and and, um, uh, and I couldn't make up my mind. And um, in the end, my, my mother made up mind for me, and she said, "John, you are going to be a teacher." And I was, "No, come on," and uh, she said. Um, you're going to be a teacher uh, uh, to start with. You're going to get a job. It's going to be a teaching job. And she said, if you don't like it, you can leave it. But to start with, you're going to get a job and you're going to be a teacher. And, uh, so, yes, yeah, so I was pushed in into uh, apply, um, uh, applying for uh, uh, teacher training. What was it about uh, – what was it – about teaching that she wanted, apart from having a job, which seemed obvious, some stability. What was it about teaching? She, <laughs> she had the idea that that um, I'd be a good teacher, but um, <laughs> oh, because of, of my personality, I suppose that that um, that oh, I would keep. On doing things, I, I liked the, the quiet life. Oh, oh, yeah, oh the, I remember. The big thing was, uh, I always had my uh, look. The, the saying was, I always had my head in a book. And she, yeah, that was it, uh, which I did. Uh, I, I loved reading, and um, as a kid, uh, and uh, uh, the whole family used to laugh and. Um, like uh, I would have a, a birthday and get all the presents um, the kids used to get for a birthday or Christmas, and um, so all my friends w w would would you know, we'd all get together. I, I one year my father bought me a whole cricket set, and um, and and this was a big thing, but because they were divorced. Uh, the presents I used to get used to be pretty expensive ones, you know. <laughs> one parent was trying out to do the other one. And, uh, yeah, the cricket set I, I, that he gave me was every everything that any cricket set could, could ever be, you know, and the whole works and jerks of it. And, um, and another year um, my mother bought me a scooter. Uh, and so the same year my my. My my father bought me a two wheel bike, uh, yeah, it had to be better than the other one that that type of thing. But um, uh, of all the things I ever received, the, 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 my favourite things were books, and, and yeah, I, I used to uh, have my head in a book all the time. 
and uh, so I, I suppose that that was one of the the most overriding things of all that that um, I, I like books, and she thought that um, I should be a school teacher, and um, yeah, well that that was her idea. It, it wasn't mine, and uh, that was the last thing in the world. But um, as it turned out. I don't know whether it's everyone, maybe with you, Aaron, but when you start doing something, um, you you get, uh, well, I get to like it. And and, and, uh, I want to be better and better and better at it. I was the same with pottery. I I was the same with when I used to um, do art. Uh, at night, uh, and which I did, which I haven't mentioned before, but um, yeah, I, I used to um, go to art and, and uh, learn to paint. And um, but w- with teaching, uh, I was the same. Uh, it, um, I, I was always trying to to get better and better at it. I think there was also the competition. I'd see what the teachers are doing, and I wanted to do something better, um, you know, beat them at at, at the job, and uh, it's a competition, yeah. And um, yeah, so I do whatever I could to um, improve myself as a a, a teacher, and um, yeah, well, well, one of the things that. Um, in the school, yeah, when I did become a teacher, uh, in um, in the Christmas holidays, um, I, I used to uh, attend um, classes at Sydney University um, to uh, to learn how to to do something new, you know. And uh, I remember a big a big thing uh, one Christmas was. Um, there was a lecturer there, and uh, um, who showed how how to write poetry, uh, teaching kids how to write poetry, and um, oh, the, that that became uh, a big part of uh, my teaching, and um, w- with how I um, taught kids how to write poetry and how to listen to poetry and. Um, and they loved it, and that was an eye opener. That um, a classic kids would just sit and listen to a teacher reading poetry, and um, we did that one lesson a week, and uh, and the kids would would um, ask, you know, for their favourite poem and things like that, and um, yeah, so, yeah, that was one of the things that. Um, I learnt with my in-servicing and, um, as I said, to uh, to try and improve improve the job all the time because um, I, I was never really satisfied with, with Teachers College and um, the things that we needed to know that wasn't touched on when I went out to teaching in the various schools with... with my mother's um, pushing. I uh, I was um, put into a teacher's college at Wagga, and it was starting up from scratch then. And 
it was very early stages. It was not not a not such a uh, salubrious place. Yeah, they didn't have these. Didn't have proper trained cooks and, and um, anyone but w- would start off being the cook in the place. Once that, at one time the gardener, he, he became the cook, and I think he was the best cook <laughs> that they had because <laughs> the, the others weren't any job. <laughs> it didn't say anything about his level of cooking. It just said how bad everybody else was, right? <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> it's, 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 that's like a, a Edward Bannon. Yeah. You know, <laughs> the plus and minus and interesting. <laughs> what was interesting about this? <laughs> the interesting thing was how you can – can cook fish and leave, leave the scales on. Oh, <laughs> oh that was delicious. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> it paid off for the kids too. But when when the, when I be, became more adept at various phases in in, in how to to teach things, it, it uh, I, I was able to be a better teacher in, in that subject. Yeah, so the yeah the the, the kids um, benefited from from that, and I loved it. <laughs> yeah, that that was the in servicing aspect of it at Sydney University. Christmas time was great. In terms of regrets, what do you regret not doing, or what? Sorry, let me start again. What do you regret not doing, or not doing better in your life? Well. Many, many regrets, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, well, well with, with my kids, uh, I um, I wish I could have done better. Uh, I said say to, to, um, to Louise once, we we're, were talking and um, I... I uh, I, I, there's things that that um, I, I forced my children to do that I shouldn't have done. Uh, it was music, yeah, yeah. Oh, music, uh, piano. Um, <coughs> when I, I was a, um, a a young young teenager, my mother bought a piano. <coughs> And set me to uh, to uh, to yeah, learn music music lessons. Uh, the music teacher, well, it wasn't much chop, you know. You can say, <laughs> and um, so I, I I was never given the, um, the the discipline of sitting down and really working hard at learning how to play the piano. I was let out of, of uh, of doing it properly, and, and that was a, a regret, a, 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 yeah, a big regret. So when I have, when my th- three kids came along, <laughs> guess what they had to do? Learn piano properly. They had to learn the piano properly. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I mean, <laughs> learning properly, meaning. Was what does that even mean? It, it, mean, <laughs> it means you have at least 
one hour's practice every day. Jesus. Uh, yeah. Which is why all three of your kids are concert piano. <laughs> that's right. That's it. No, <laughs> that, that's it. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, and, and things didn't turn out the way I envisaged that they should have. Um, um, my, my son, Anthony, um, we... Um, my wife and I um, talked around and found who was uh, the, the best piano teacher and uh, we came across the fact that um, we recommended this young bloke who um, had just finished um, a, a part of his music training and he was very, very, very good. And... Um, he was on his way to being a, a concert pianist, actually. And, um, but it, it was asking too much. And um, he, uh, yeah, he was too, too much of an, uh, from Anthony. And he, Anthony was very young. And um, so I, I, I went to him and I said, look, just slow down the, the, this learning because um, Anthony was in, in tears, you know, with um, what was being asked of, of him. And this um, young bloke said, but we, we had a talk. Anthony and I had a talk and he's a very intelligent boy. I said, yes, he is intelligent. Yeah, he is. Which he is, by the way. I said, well... Uh, on, on top of that, uh, he, he's not getting, uh, it's just too fast and too much. And I said at home, um, I'm not good enough to, uh, no, to, to, to take up the slack and, uh, and show him how to, to teach, uh, uh, to play um, the piano. And I said, and his mother won't, although she was pretty good at it. And uh, but it was just one of those things she wasn't going to enter into, and uh, and all in all, it, it was a pretty hard time on Anthony. And I said it has to stop, you know, and he said, oh well, let's do it uh, sl more sl slowly. And um, I said, no, it, it's off. It's I'm, I'm not putting my son through that. Yeah. So when it came to the girls, oh, poor girls, and I thought, no. Uh, they're going to learn the piano. I, I'm not. I'm not giving up. And like I, I gave up myself, and my mother gave up because she was too soft and <laughs> didn't make me practice enough. And Anthony was the oldest, so he went first, right? Poor boy. Yeah. yeah. Poor. Yeah. The first one gets the hard life. With, with the girls, I, I said, "Well, you you have an hour's practice every night, every day." And I thought, now, that, that, I regret that. Mm. <laughs> it was awful. They learned to play on the piano. Uh, and they were pretty good at it because they had to be, you know, when they were doing their, their music exams, their uh, piano exams, they could do it. And other kids were <laughs> would break down and couldn't do it. And all. Yeah, it was a real mess. Yeah, they could do it, but... That, they didn't like it. But Louise was different. She, she did like it, but uh, school uh, interfered with that. She she was um, doing school exams, the important ones. She had to do um, 
music exam at the same time, piano exams, and yeah, the, she had to stop that. And, oh, and by the way, I I wasn't there as being the the, the tough one in the family, and um, I had gone and moved to Broken Hill and right out of the, the family home, so there was no one to to keep the kids practicing. So the mother let them, um, yeah, cease. Cease piano, and that, that finished a lot of that off. That's one regret. Regret that you pushed them into piano, or that I didn't take it more gently. Mm. It was one of those things where I thought if I push hard enough, the world is going to move. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't work that way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really laughing <laughs> with you. I'm not laughing with you. <laughs> um, yeah, no. I've, I've talked about this a few times on the podcast about how <laughs> it's it's the only way I know how to solve problems. <laughs> yeah, and I can. I am working so hard on that <laughs> at this very point in my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I know how it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If oh, if man. you if you push hard enough, the world will. Move a bit. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> no. Two-year-olds. Yep. Yeah. Why, why is it people just don't have the proper ideas? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, um, yeah, the, that's, that's one of the, the big things that I had to, to, to learn in teaching too, that y- you had to take kids along with you. <laughs> you can't just push them from behind. <laughs> yeah. 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 They had to like it. <laughs> yeah, what I like, yeah, I have to convince them. They like it. <laughs> and I think, yeah, getting back to, to poetry. Uh, personally, I, I like poetry and uh, at times I read poetry just as as I would read a novel. I and I, I did it in school as teaching it. Uh, that that time at Sydney Uni when that person, uh, a woman, was, um, yeah, demonstrated how you could teach kids to write to write poetry and um, a different type, different type of poetry, different types of poetry and. Um, I went back to school with full of enthusiasm. It must have been the, the correct form of enthusiasm because after that, no matter which class I had, they all liked poetry and they loved listening to poetry and uh, and writing poetry. And that was because I was doing it the proper way, the right, the right way. Where I liked it, I. Encourage, encourage the kids I had in class to, to light it because I, I found the, the correct way of, of, uh, of going about the job. What is that way? If, if well, briefly. Briefly, <laughs> it's reading <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Just reading and not expecting them to learn it, you know. Um, I must tell you, when was it? Clinton Park School. That was the first school I'd had in Sydney. We, we got married and, and my um, wife um, lived at Earlwood, which is 
uh, Clinton Park schools on the edge of, of <laughs> the school inspector there. He was a pain in the neck. Jeez, <laughs> he was. Anyhow, but everyone ha has his or her quirks. Everyone talked about what you had to do uh, with this particular inspector. By the way, he'd been a most disliked school principal when he, he was uh, teaching. And, uh, in fact, the school is at revolted the staff revolted against him, I believe. But anyhow, he would come along and ask and, and demand the same things. Um, there were always um, he would pick out five five kids in, in the class. Stand up, stand up, stand up, son or girl. Say a poem you've learnt this year. <laughs> so the very first thing one did as a class teacher, you would. Teach the kids <laughs> by rote five poems, so they all knew these five poems. Yeah, so and uh, the the kids would go up and they'd rattle off all, all these poems, and, and that was the first thing you did in um, teaching literature. And then you could get on w with the real job, getting kids to appreciate language, <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, and, and and my way of doing it was, um, I'd say the kids uh, get everything off your desk because, um, yeah, they were old-fashioned desks in those days. Mm. And just sit there, all right, sit and, and listen. So uh, I would spend a, a whole lesson on just reading poetry. They didn't have to do anything. They didn't have to learn anything. They just had to uh, let let the the language flow over them, and, and um, they got to love it. And um, yeah, after a while, they'd ask, "Oh, could we hear so and so? Let you know, sir, read so and so." Yeah. So in in then um, then um, showing them how to write ver various forms of, of Poetry and and, um, and that was f that was great and um, and, and also c carry on with the, the teaching of language that way. I, I remember at one stage I taught uh, an OC class. OC, uh, yeah, OC. Uh, oh, uh, g um, gifted intellectual okay. kids. And um, I wasn't in that class. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I gathered that because you did ask, what's an OC? <laughs> but, um, <laughs> no, no. And, um, yeah, I had a class of 24, uh, yeah, boys. Yeah. And um, an OC class. And I had to take them for two years. So th they came for fifth class and sixth class. And, um, yes, and, and anyhow, um, yeah, yeah, all right, the, the, the first AC class I had for, for two years and, um, and anyhow, t we all moved on. And um, then I, I was uh, asked... Uh, 
would I like to meet these boys? Now that they left school, they've been to uni, they've done this and done that, and they're working, and and they'd all turn forty. So, so one of them had a brilliant idea. Now that we've turned forty, let's have a get together, and we'll we'll, uh, we'll meet for dinner, and we'll uh, yeah, for, and and the day we'll get together and talk, and then we'll have dinner together. And um, and and one of them said, "Oh, and we will invite our, our teacher. You know, in the AC class. Oh no, he'd be dead by this. <laughs> you little buggers. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't dead. And uh. <laughs> and and, um, <laughs> and one of them said, "Oh no, no, he'd be, he'd be dead by this. You're talking about his son. Has he got a son?" And uh, anyhow, one of them said, "I, I teach with him." <laughs> and, uh, and, and yet one of the boys I had in, in the AC class uh, w- was um, teaching at, at the school. And I had, when I had retired, I, I went back um, and, and did some casual teaching. Because my two daughters had said to me, Dad, get a job, please get a job, you're driving us nuts. <laughs> because I'd stopped, te- I'd stopped teaching and I didn't know what to do with myself. But uh, anyhow, so anyhow, we met up, uh, this kid. I used to teach in the AC class and, and uh, the, the rest of the, all these men were having their 40th get-together. And um, one of them... Uh, Phoned me up afterwards, uh, after that night we met, and, and was talking about um, his job, and he he was um, uh, the editor of, of a, a fishing magazine, and um, so being the editor, he would have to proofread. Uh, some of the articles that went into this this magazine, and uh, he, he said uh, he, some of the, the the language was unbelievably bad, and so he had to rewrite a lot of it. And um, and he said something that that was yeah very um, rewarding as far as I was concerned as a teacher. He said. He had learnt all the ring, all the things that had to be learnt about English grammar in AC class that had to be learnt, and uh, in his job uh, as the editor of a magazine, and he knew all the grammar because he learnt it in uh, fifth and sixth class, and he said uh, when he went to high school. He said, oh, yeah, we've done that, we've done that, yeah, we've done that, yeah, w- with grammar. And uh, and that was the one thing. Uh, we used to play games at it. Every, every day there'd be a, there was a, a board on, on the side and I'd put a, a short passage up there and underline uh, some of the words and... Um, Anyhow, uh, as a game, it, it was fun. It, we made it fun. They had to parse and analyse the passage and, and the words that were underlined. And uh, they loved it because they were OC kids. <laughs> mm. Yeah, 
they were extremely intelligent and um, yeah you, you get um, you get uh, IQs that were off off the 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 board as far as measurement is concerned and and then kids who were 130, 135 plus, and yeah, they were brilliant kids, and that kind of thing appealed to them. They just loved passing and passing and analysis and language, and, and um, yeah, it's, it's that um, that forty-year-old bloke says to me, um, he loved it, and, and um, he. And he had learnt in those two years everything that had to be learnt about English grammar. Um, yeah, so all in fun. Yeah, it was all in fun. And um, that was it, really. That's the way it went. Really? Yeah. We've got a few more questions to go mm. on my list. Um, in terms of happiness, what happiness or rituals have brought you peace and happiness throughout your life? Well, I suppose you can talk that happiness on different levels. Um, There's happiness (coughs) individually um, with with parents, with friends, uh, especially when you lose those friends and they may die and things like that. When you become 93, most of your friends are dead anyway. But, um, and there's the, the level of, uh, of um, yeah, happiness in um, yeah, what you're doing and... Um, Things like that. What's what's the question again? So, what rituals or habits have brought you peace or happiness throughout your life? So, one example for me is I know that running is something that brings me happiness, or I know that being creative brings me happiness. So, being creative on a regular basis brings me happiness, or was there anything in your life that you do on a regular basis that brings you peace or happiness? Well, I suppose on the art side, <laughs> um, that always has always satisfied me. When I was a tiny little kid, and I used to, and uh, that that guy used to give me uh, drawing lessons, and um, that was drawing, uh, and uh, always uh, gave me a, a lot of happiness. Just drawing. Um, and then later on, um, taking up painting and um, uh, uh, the the other thing, pottery, I, I suppose. And um, 
without bragging, I, I, I did become all right at it. Because all, all the pottery that, that I did, um, people thought was pretty good. And, um, yeah, that, that uh, uh, was, um, yeah, a lot, a lot of happiness in, in itself. Uh, as, um, yeah, to satisfy me as an individual. I I I say um, unreservedly, um, my three kids, and um, each one of them is different, and and in in each one I I like them, I, I like them as people, and. When when I see them um, in life and, and getting through, and, and um, I see that they're they're decent people, uh, more than decent, and, and um, uh, they they do do things that that over and above what is expected, and, and uh, in compassion and kindness to others. And they do, the three of them do that. And, um, and, and that, 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 that makes me very happy, actually, that, um, that they've given something more than just themselves. Yeah. Yeah, it, um, yeah that, that's about it. I mean... I, as a person, I, I, um, I can get a lot of pleasure, a great deal of pleasure in just being alone, doing lone things. Yeah, well, yeah imagine, um, imagine someone uh, sitting at a potter's wheel for hours and hours and hours. And loving it, <laughs> and um, imagine a kid um, who's got all birthday presents, and, and including a, a a cricket set that had everything in it. And while all his friends are out playing cricket, he, he gets a, a book and reads the new book he was given, and, and that is the biggest. A present a happiness that, that he could have at, at that time. And yeah, I, I'm like that. I like reading. I, I, I like, yeah. In your own space. Always in my own space. Yeah. And, and being alone is no problem as far as I'm concerned. And, um, yeah, being with too many people is a problem. Because um, it doesn't give me much time to uh, um, be, be myself, you know. And um, I suppose th this helps um, me uh, as a school teacher that um, <laughs> I, I could um, I, I could be there telling kids um, what they should be doing, how to do it, and yeah, that <laughs> it was an awful lot of pleasure in that, at um, being the big wheel in a classroom with um, young kids. Um, 
Yeah, I, I um, yeah, I, I've had uh, a go at, at um, learning Italian. Uh, yeah, that, that that kind of thing, and um, a, a great deal of pleasure. That um, once again, it, it's being by myself doing my thing was um, uh, was a very pleasurable thing. Yeah, it, um, pleasure also. Um, even. <laughs> Remember way back uh, when we, we started talking that um, uh, I, I was at a high my hiatus period was in my teens where I couldn't make up my mind what I was going to do and everyone was expecting that that I would do things that, that uh, teenage boys or girls. Um, knew what they were going to be doing in life and really I, I, I didn't. And, um, but, but when, when I uh, took up teaching, because I was really pushed into it more than anything else, um, I liked it. I really did like teaching and, um, and t- finding new ways of doing it well and um, and the AC class, you know, when I said we used to um, talk about language a lot and uh, how language is put together. Oh, and by that stage I was married to a, a language teacher, so <laughs> that sure helped. And because um, yeah, we used to talk, my wife and I used to talk about language a lot and... Um, at one stage, uh, she was doing her master's degree in um, in German, and um, we, yeah, we, we talked a lot and discussed language that way. So I was going to ask what uh, when we were talking about the OC class that I unfortunately wasn't part of. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask about um, <laughs> what was you know what got you passionate about language. Because for you to, to for you to convey that to others, like you can't just rock up and teach kids if you're not actually interested in it yourself, right? That doesn't come across. That doesn't uh, translate. No, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. No, it doesn't. It. Um, uh, well, uh, from from time to time, you, you meet people who who are experts at it. Uh, at one stage on, on television, there was a woman who who would um, talk about the derivation of of, of words uh, of language and how it how it evolved. You know, the English language mainly, uh, yeah, and uh, from various other languages. And we borrowed it from a bit here and a bit there, and uh, we end up with, with English. And um, and and also there was my grandfather, the Swedish uh, grandfather, but he wasn't grandfather by blood; he was grandfather by marriage. The boat builder. The boat builder, <laughs> yeah, Carl Carl Larson, and um, I was 
uh, intrigued by, by his his accent. You know, it, it, yeah, the, the, that was that accent when he was talking about things and um, and talking about Sweden and when, when he was young. And, and yeah, the, the, yeah, his accent that was interesting and. Um, uh, and also, um, yeah, w when I became a teacher and, well, no, w reading books, yeah. Reading books, reading poetry. It, poetry poetry relies on just the perfect word in, in the, the perfect place and, and put, put together and I, I like that. I, I like reading poetry. As as well as other literature, but yeah, all all that adds up together, and um, and then I was married to um, a woman who taught language and um, uh, French, German, Latin, and um, we talked about it a lot, especially when when she decided to do her master's degree and and. Um, uh, and discussion centered around language w with her uh, all the time and um, yes the, the, that that was a big thing so all, everything falls into its place yeah, and it, like a jigsaw puzzle as they say and uh, it fits together so all in all there's, there's this and there's that that um, and um I know with the ACs, it, it was it was it was a game. We would uh, I would read out um, sentences to to the kids and um, ask them to uh, parse parse uh, certain words, and, and uh, some it was it wasn't all that easy, and uh, we would talk about it, and it created a huge amount of interest. And um, so much so, like that, this this chap who, who edited uh, a, a fishing magazine, and um, it, it yeah, it all, it all came to to a head, and, and um, it, the interest um, led up to that. That, that um, outcome. There's a. Is of yeah, the common thread is is around language, and you know, obviously, with your the amount of reading and stuff you do, and you're talking about poetry and the even the Swedish uh, stepfather, mm. grandfather, um, grandfather. Sorry, mm. there was um yeah, just this interesting kind of pull of language. Around the strong woman and <laughs> 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 <In> your life, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, right, yeah, um, yeah. So that, yeah. Okay, so two more questions, John. Um, at age ninety-three, what's one thing that you have yet to master? I'm sure there's plenty, but what's yeah. one thing you yet to master? What's one thing? Well, 
I suppose, what comes next after 93. And um, I have to master the fact that I haven't got all that much left, that um, I've spent 93 years on this earth and, and um, I still feel okay, but, um, yeah, uh, there's not much left and, and uh, what 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 can I do with it? And how can I finish it off uh, that um, that helps my three kids? Because that's what I should be doing. And at the moment that I leave them um, uh, satisfied with with their father, that um, I'm not such a pain. <laughs> Pain in the neck, <laughs> as, as I could have been. Have you got enough time left to right those wrongs, John? <laughs> I do. What I better work fast. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. <laughs> no, it, it. No, I, I, I'm. They're not just words. The, the big thing with, with with three kids in mind now is what are they going to do, or what can they do with dad? To to make his life the rest of his life pleasant. Now uh, <laughs> I, I have to think. Um, how am I going to go? Look, I, I've seen people that they t- deteriorate <laughs> pretty quickly um, in the minds. Yeah, they do have. Um, yeah, they, they go off. And they, they lose their memory and they <laughs> lose this and lose that. Um, there are other people who go off physically. Well, the way it's going <laughs> so far, um, I think I'm going to go off physically. I've got one knee that's worn out. And I've, um, I've been to physiotherapists and chiropractors and GPs and they said, well, there's only one way to go and that's down. <laughs> it's going to get worse, not better. And, um, yeah, so I've got a knee that's worn out and... Um, that that is yeah, that's going to be the physical part of it. Well, with with my kids, uh, they know that um, uh, I'm having trouble walking up and down stairs, and um, they they they're trying their best to um, get me housed. Um, well, there'll be a, a lift, and I won't have to walk up and down stairs, and um, and make. Yeah, my life uh, is pleasant as they can, which is, they're great. Um, yeah, I, I've got to do my part in, in helping them do that. And, uh, but, yeah, that, that means a bit of a wrench from where I, uh, where I live now and, and how I live. But, um, yeah, my, my part is to help them, yeah, make it easy for them to, to, uh, yeah, to achieve what they're trying to achieve. Yep. And last question. Looking back across all the areas of your life, what are you most proud of? Well, the, I suppose the easy part of doing it was having three children that... Um, Having three great children. 
That's an easy one. But um, otherwise, there's a lot of things that we, we can be not proud of. Proud of I, I, I um I, I I suppose it um I I, I suppose it's it's the that that I'm the end product of a family. <coughs> And whose who's, uh, surname was Swan. Well, yeah, well, they call them Swan when they got to Australia. They were different in England. They were Hornby. And I'm the end product of it. And um, they, they, they started from very ordinary... Uh, Positions in life, and um, in fact, the first Edward Swan to get to Australia was um, given assisted passage by by the English king, and um, and told not to come back <laughs> to England. He had for, <laughs> for fourteen years at least, and. Um, Yes, yeah, so what have I done to to uh, to co- to come along on life's journey in in that family, and um, have I done anything at all to to deserve um, my place on this earth? And um, and yeah, with that family, and I've got to do something that. That that um, has been a step forward in that journey. And uh, what have I done? Well, I think being a, a school teacher and trying my best to uh, be a good one, which I believe I was at the time. All people said so. And which is more than than the first Edward Swan achieved when he came to Australia because he'd stolen a pound and a half of tobacco in in London, and um, yes, yeah, so, so I've um, I've come along in that. And that's about it, I suppose. Thanks for thanks for sharing that, John. Um, and that that concludes all the questions and things. I just want to say, well, first of all, I want to ask you how how you felt during the whole conversation. Well, the introspection isn't easy <laughs> because one has to look at one's life and think 
Well, I made a mess of that. <laughs> Should I say sorry? <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Good. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> it, it, it's been very worthwhile from from on my part and uh, the introspection of um, <laughs> looking at yeah what I've done with it and um, and um, <laughs> yeah and what what's left of it <laughs> I hope I can can, can uh, help uh, yeah my kids <laughs> who who are left with it and um, yeah it, it's been been fun beautiful well, like i said earlier i know that both rich and lou who i have a lot of time for um, she's good isn't she oh beautiful a beautiful couple that yeah yeah i'm so glad to have them in my life and i know that they speak very very highly of you and um, i just want to say thank you for coming along today and being part of this and sharing your story and um opening up and being so vulnerable and yeah it was just a real pleasure to talk to you and hear all of your stories and I'm really proud of this conversation and I'm looking forward to yeah getting to publish it and yeah Aaron thanks so much <laughs> Cheers, <mate. laughs> it, it may <laughs> have <laughs> been <laughs> difficult today talking about things <laughs> i didn't think they were going to be quite like that but anyhow um it's been very helpful to me as a person <laughs> when I, I look back yes and uh, the various shades of what i've done and not done <laughs> i think I but look i i, I thank you I, I i i thank you a great deal my pleasure man <laughs> And to everybody listening, thank you so much and 